Hey, what's up, Blondheads? Sarah McAnulty, PhD, drives around Philly in the Squidmobile. She's a squid scientist, and she's bridging the gap between scientists and the general public through a nonprofit she started called Skype a Scientist. And she's also a resident of Fishtown. Where else would a squid scientist live? And she's also our guest on this episode of the Philly Blunt, a National Geographic children's video which she rented from the library featuring the color-changing cephalopod known as a cuttlefish, changed her life. From that point on, she decided she wanted to study cuttlefish and cephalopods. The Squidmobile is her Toyota RAV4, which is covered in squid drawings, facts, and a number you can text her for squid facts. And yes, Sarah personally answers every text. She also founded a nonprofit uh, organization called Skype a Scientist, which seeks to make science more accessible to children and people of color. She's connected over 11,000 scientists with classrooms. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Shy Vintage Sports, where you can get the coolest Philly sports and culture gear. Shy Vintage Sports, where every stitch tells a story. Shop at shibvintagesports.com or at their store at 137 South 13th Street. And also check out johnville.com, J-A-W-N-V-I-L-L-E.com for the rants, ramblings, and observations of a born and raised Philly bloke. That's me. Don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends, share us on social media, do all that stuff that'll really help us spread the word and celebrate Philly to a wider audience. And follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all as the Philly Blunt. We hope you enjoy this episode with Sarah McAnulty, Fishtown resident and local squid expert. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Goodtimes. I'm Reef. They call me Greg. And we are thrilled to have our guest this week. Uh, she has made Skyping a scientist a, uh, a, a phenomenon online here in the last few years, and she is... Uh, also somebody that we're excited to talk about now that I've uh, seen my octopus teacher. Uh, please welcome Sarah McAnulty to the show. Sarah. Ooh. Welcome, Sarah. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, lots, to, lots to go over here, but um, I guess we'll start with the uh, Skype a scientist, which is uh, the thing that you've really kind of uh, stood out for, I guess, in the last few years. Um, and what was the inspiration behind having, and for those that don't know, essentially you set up a program where on the one end, schools can sign up to have a scientist talk to them, I guess, over Zoom, Skype, whatever. And on the other hand, the scientists like line themselves up with a particular school. So they just kind of meet in the middle. Uh, what was the inspiration behind all this? This was back um, in 2017 when I was starting it. And we, uh, I was, you know, talking to a bunch of other scientists on Twitter. Trump had just been elected. The scientific community was, for lack of a better phrase, just like freaking out. They uh, didn't know what was going to happen in the future with the new administration. Um, and there was a lot of energy to just like do something, but they didn't really know where to put that energy. And so I thought that um, basically we needed to harness all of that energy among scientists and do something useful with it. And so um, I developed Skype a Scientist from that. I figured uh, starting with classrooms would be a good way to kind of get people um, talking with scientists, talking to other folks who are not scientists. It's something that as a group, we've historically not been super good at. Um, and so we need practice with it and we need uh, to just find a way to do it easily. And so that's where it all came from. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I mean, you guys thought that this uh, this reality show TV uh, host wasn't going to be pro science. I mean, I don't I don't know where you got that from, but um, I, I'm I guess I'm 
I'm curious in terms of, you know, you saying that, yes, people were freaking out was, but in a way, was it kind of a wake up call that maybe they needed? Because I kind of feel like with scientists so much, you know, you guys are working on so much incredible stuff, but it doesn't really enter the zeitgeist. Everybody wants to know what, you know, Kim Kardashian or, you know, the NFL, you know, stars are doing, but nobody's asking what the scientists are up to. And, and, and was this kind of in a way, maybe a wake up call you guys kind of needed? Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of scientists um, kind of suddenly realize that the conversations that we're having amongst ourselves are really not breaking out of this little silo. And so um, I think there was a lot of energy to like do anything that they could to reach out outside of our bubbles. I think generally the lesson from 2016 for a lot of folks was how siloed we really all are. And that's not news now in 2020. We're well aware that this is a problem. It's been getting worse and worse um, basically as, as, as with the growth of the internet, because um, it's so easy to find people like you. And so, um, yeah, we really wanted to get uh, build bridges between scientists and other folks. How, how are you feeling right now with all the people that are, you know, still kind of in denial about this uh, epidemic and, 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 you know, still saying that science isn't real and things like that? Um, can you explain your frustration with, with seeing what's happening right now in our country? Yeah, I mean, it's really wild to see, like, I just can't understand. I mean, just okay. So to a point, I can understand why people wouldn't want to believe that the pandemic is real. I think humans on the whole have a really uh, strong ability to delude themselves into thinking that their lives are better than they are. Um, and so for that reason, I can see why people would want to. But at this point, it's just, I mean, look around. There are overwhelming signs that this is real. I mean, the pandemic has kind of been like a, a zoom, a, like a flash forward version of climate change because mm -hmm. climate scientists have been aware and all scientists have been aware of climate change being like a scary thing, getting worse and worse all the time. And we see the effects. And um, so seeing that people would deny that the pandemic is real isn't that big of a shock given that they also reject that climate change is real. And so it's a, it's a nasty um, kind of like view into the future for, you know, scientists have thought um, and talked amongst ourselves saying, well, once people see climate change directly affecting their communities, people will wake up and realize that this is an actual problem that we need to fix. But even when people are losing family members, they're still not saying for, for some people, of course, many people are, but many people are saying, you know, COVID isn't what killed them, like, you know, or, or this just like wild delusion um, that I think uh, I don't have a solution for yet. Mm. Um, I think the, the best thing that we can do for a start is just like building personal connections with people outside of our bubbles is really important. Um, but overcoming like the human ability to delude ourselves for the sake of our own mental health is um, a real challenge and mystery. And I, we'll see what we're going to yeah. do about that one. Do you think part of the issue is that I feel like we were taught as a kid's like science says this, but we weren't taught that the science evolves and as data comes in, science changes. So you had some messaging in the beginning of the pandemic. And as it changes, people are saying, see, they said this. And now they're saying that with just a lack of understanding that as data comes in, science is always evolving and changing. 
Right. Yeah, I think that's a really excellent point. I think um, something that we've learned over the last uh, few years is that we really need to be teaching science as the process, not science as the facts. And so um, different educational systems will teach science differently. And so like, I remember when I was in Catholic school at St. Ephraim's in Ben Salem, like I, we would just like be copying line for line, the science textbook, but not doing science, not um, learning the hows and the whys and and the process. And so uh, it took till college until I was really like doing that. And so um, that's something that needs to come earlier. And one of the things that I think is just so important is that right now in our education system, we are, um, we, we separate people too early and we teach them different stuff. So like we take the kids who maybe should be going to like the advanced placement or honors classes and we give them like rigorous, hardcore science and math. And then everyone else, we say, okay, well, maybe science isn't for you. Let's give you like some uh, watered down version of science. That's a real problem because even if you're not going to become a scientist, you still have to have, I'm not saying make the classes super hard. I'm not saying like prep them to go to graduate school. That's not unnecessary, but teach them that science is a process and teach them like everything, like that sort of thing. Um, Change the approach so that you don't end up with the, like the the scientists and then Mm -hmm. a bunch of science, less science literate folks. Um, right. And so we need to kind of like build it back from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think sometimes almost... people get in. Go ahead, go ahead Johnny. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say like the, you know, there's, I, I think a, a thing that I'm coming across a lot, I feel like in a, a lot of things is, is systems related and how our systems were also broken and we didn't really realize it. And, and this, the pandemic, I think the Trump era in general, but the pandemic specifically has really kind of opened our eyes to, oh, wow, things were really way more broken than we ever acknowledged. Um, do, you, do you think that, uh, again, like, is there, is there a silver lining to our eyes being opened or, or are we so far behind the eight ball that you're worried that we won't get back? I tend to be an optimist generally. So I'm like, I'm glad that we're realizing it now. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's frustrating that it's taken us so long to realize what's wrong. Like even look at how we taught teach history, right? Like we teach it in such a way that gives you the idea that the United States, the history of the United States is like, is wonderful and exceptional. And no, it's a horror show from start to finish. It is. <laughs> is it? Oh, well, I, I thought George Washington wrote down on an eagle and <laughs> who was a saint. And, uh, yeah. Columbus yeah, right. was a great dude. I heard. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, and this is true with like the, the like racism, the realization that, Oh my goodness, we live in a racist society. Like, Oh my God. It's like a similar thing. I, like, I oh, had no idea. I'm sure you had, I'm sure you had noticed. Right. So it's like, you've got that and the science stuff. It's like, there are a lot of uh, light bulbs going off in people's heads the last four years. But yeah. Should have happened before, but um, here we are. So we got to make the most of it. Right. Do you think that, um, I mean, I live with a scientist, not in the corporate world, academia. Yeah. And, science always seems to be one of the first thing Congress cuts the budgets on the NIH funding and stuff. Do you think, I mean, I'm sure you hope, but do you think that with people realizing a majority of people realizing science is important and valuable that the NIH budget and funding actually becomes a little easier for people in the future to make progress? 
I'm hoping, yes. Um, one thing that I realized in becoming a scientist is that like the real challenge when it comes to government funding for science is yes, getting it bumped up, but then maintaining it. Because what we've seen in the past is that you will get an administration in that really supports science, pours a whole bunch of money into science, and then the next administration comes in and it drops. And so then you have like empty buildings because during the previous administration, you had all this money and you build the mm -hmm. new beautiful building and then you can't afford the scientists salaries to fill it. And so we need to find a way to support science much higher than we have been lately, because it's been kind of like not only a decrease in funding, but our purchasing power of the dollars that go into science is also decreasing. So, uh, right. So we need to increase science funding for sure. And I would hope that like science is saving the day right now, like yeah. having a pandemic with a vaccine in less than a year is wild yeah. Yeah. and amazing. And so yeah. I know people are frustrated and they've been stuck indoors for a long time, but what's happened this year has been unbelievable and really yeah. lucky. And so I'm hoping that that leads to a, like a stronger support for, um, for scientific funding going forward. Um, it's just really, I, I like, I hesitate to be super optimistic knowing how entrenched people are in their camps right now. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you know, wow. Republicans just want to keep giving money to science and the Democrats just keep stopping them. And it's just got to be, know. you know, I mean, I know Trump's a huge science guy. <sighs> he loves it so much. And this yeah. obviously him losing is obviously devastating <laughs> for the science community. We cried all day. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is this has been super like serious and heavy. I want to switch it up a little bit like, yo, like, like, what the fuck is up with the ocean, man? Like, are fish aliens? <laughs> <laughs> fish are... I feel like the fish are aliens, bro. Like they're the le they're the they're they are the remains of what we became, right? Am I tripping? That's right. You're not you're not even re remotely wrong. That's exactly right. So a lot of uh, scientists will say like everything is a fit, like every vertebrate is a fish because anything on land came from a fish. So uh, we're all fish. You're a fish. I'm a fish. We're all fish. Yeah. We just lost it. our gills and grew. Some I water. knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so so what was it like when you tell break the news to your parents that you're like gonna just focus on squids did they know this your whole life growing up were you obsessed with squids i was super into squids starting pretty young um i was into dinosaurs before that i think they knew that there was gonna be some kind of animal somewhere because i was yeah. really really into animals my whole life um and so yeah they knew it was gonna be ocean related and yeah there was no surprise no shock there um were you just I a squid squid lady on campus like oh there's a squid lady yeah, I mean, I wasn't as uh, extra about it as I am now, uh, but yeah. That sounds pretty sure. badass to me. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, I would not fuck with the squid what was, no. it? was it? Was it Thank the camouflage? You. Was it the ink? Was it just kind of the smooth way they moved? Like, what was the thing that was like for you that was like, oh my God, these are incredible? I think it was the communication with the color changing that was like really wild and how quickly they can change color and all the different things that they use color change for. Cause sure you can use it for camouflage, which is wild and super cool, very quick. But they can also use it to just like confuse the hell out of their prey. Like they can take these black bands and run it along their body. And it looks kind of like a hypnotist wheel. And so a crab sitting on the, on the reef, looking up at the cuttlefish or squid is like, what in the name of God is happening? And then they're dead. So that's Dang. and then they're dead. Cool. <laughs> that's some assassin pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Yeah. they they do stuff to their skin to like hypnotize no, them. That's that thing we were watching. Back. I said that link out earlier where those waves of colors go down their back. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Passing right. clouds, right? Or yeah, yeah. passing cloud is exactly right. Yeah, it's so weird. If you've never seen it, 
audience like Google passing cloud cuttlefish right now, uh, it'll blow your mind. Yeah. And and if you, if you indulge in the cannabis, it's even better. It's a great time. (laughs) (laughs) This is the right time. That's what I heard. Right, Right. Sure. Um, my, uh, my son who turned seven in a couple weeks, uh, had a specific question for you and he wanted to know how they strike and kill their prey, which you kind of just answered. Um, but what do they, what else do they eat? So it depends on the, on the cephalopod we're talking about. So cuttlefish will eat, uh, shrimp, crabs, sometimes fish. Um, and then squid will eat fish other squid. It depends on like what's around where they're living. So some, some cephalopods hang out sort of near the bottom and they tend to eat more like crustacean-y stuff like crabs and shrimp like we do. And then if you're swimming up in the water, um, there just aren't that many crabs around. So you're going to be eating more uh, shrimp fish, that kind of thing. And now how they kill is, is pretty cool. So all cephalopod, well, squid and cuttlefish. How they kill is pretty cool. That's yeah, can, 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 can you, before we get into how they kill, can you just tell us what a cephalopod is? Yes, totally. So a cephalopod is a cuttlefish, octopus, squid, or nautilus. Nautilus are those like spiral shell. They kind of have like little tiger stripes um, okay. on them. They're really beautiful. You see them a lot, like just like on shelves, their shells um, as like decoration. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really beautiful, but they are endangered. So never buy their shells if you see them just... PSA. Um, but yeah, that's what a cut, that's what a cephalopod is. All right. Um, so let's get to the killing. Let's get, let's get, let's get to the, to the yeah. violence. Let's get to murder. Our definitions have been established yeah. to, to murder. Great. So, uh, okay. So cuttlefish and squid have eight arms. And so the arms are just like covered in suction cups and they don't really change shape that much. Um, they're just kind of like those little, what you might think of as tentacles. And then in between those, they have super, super stretchy appendages that are like really, really thin and then end in what look like little hands, what we call clubs. And the clubs have uh, suction cups on them as well, but the like stringy bits don't have any suction cups. The purpose of them is to shoot out, grab prey and then pull it back in. And what's really like kind of nasty and cool is that the suction cups on the clubs have like little serrated rings of teeth. And in oh, some species, wow. like the colossal squid, which lives in the Southern Ocean, they are really big. They're the biggest, like volumetrically big squid that there is. The giant squid is big. The colossal squid is as long, but like really chunky, as opposed yeah. to more like torpedo. I mean, he's, he's, he's called he's the colossal, colossal squid. Colossal, right? Yeah, he's gotta be the man. It's so great that there's a giant <laughs> and then colossal. Well, they didn't know about the colossal squid, so they were like, the giant squid is definitely uh, yeah, nothing bigger than this. And they were like, like, oh, I, great. And, and you can't use the word Titanic anymore. Right. No, that's <laughs> you really, know, really narrowed down. Like humongous squid. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah, like colossus. Colossal. That's the one. That's the one. Stamp it. If, Stamp if they see a bigger it. squid, we're going to really have to dig deep into, into our vocabulary uh, here. But they are sick. So they have um, on those <laughs> suction cups, they have hooks that swivel. So like, you know, if you had a a fish or whatever trying to swim away, the hook goes in, swivels around and then hooks to keep Mm. them in the grasp of the squid. So, so that's how they grab prey and then they pull it to their beak um, and then bite with the beak. And often that has a little bit of poison on it so that it (laughs) paralyzes whatever it's biting. Wow. Do they ever, they never attack humans. 
they just don't get the opportunity. Yeah, um, right. then, yeah. Yeah, the the squid that are big enough to be a threat to us um, live super deep, with the exception of one, um, the Humboldt squid. Uh, they live off California and down to uh, Baja. And- super chill, laid <laughs> yeah, back. Exactly. The Humboldt yeah. squid. squid. I like bro. this guy. The Humboldt. I'm not attacking anybody today, bro. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, uh, I'm, atta- I'm attacking these. Chips, I, bro. I think that's the official <laughs> cephalopod of the Philly Blunt is the Humboldt squid. <laughs> Shout out to the Humboldt squid. They're uh, they're large. They they hang out in in like big school school squads, if you will. Yeah. Um, and they Listen flash music. red. They're uh, yeah. <laughs> they they I wouldn't swim with them personally. No, I think that no, would no, be no. a bad idea. But yeah. um, everybody else is is pretty non threatening. Right. So, so tell us so about the inspiration for the Squidmobile. And uh, is it true that you will literally just talk to anyone, even if it goes off the conversation of the squid? It's true. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this all started, I was on Twitter and I saw this scientist like take a picture of, of another scientist car that just said like, need, like need help with science or something like have a mm-hmm. science question, just email uh, like your neighborhood scientist at gmail.com or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, that's a good idea because I'm always trying to think about how, again, like I was saying before, like how we can break out of our silos. And um, on Twitter, we're not doing it because the only per- people that would follow a squid biologist on Twitter <laughs> are people who already <laughs> like science. Like I'm not right. breaking out the bubble there. So um, social media is probably not the way to go. Um, and so I'm always trying to think of like weird ways to just kind of play around and experiment. And mm-hmm. when I saw that, I was like, well, let's try it with my car. What's the worst mm-hmm. that could happen? Like, mm-hmm. realistically, I get a dick pic. That's the worst that I can think of. <laughs> Have you? Have you? Because I was going to yeah, answer. I haven't. No. I haven't, which. Um, you, might, you might. You might now. I'm sorry. I mean, we have a certain the night fan base. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have to, if any fan base there. is going to send us, it, probably ours. Unfortunately, <laughs> all right. Well, I'll mentally prepare for that. But uh, yeah, no, it's been it's. Oh. So uh, I started Squidmobile, and it's kind of gotten more and more extra over the years. But um, yeah, you yeah. text the phone number on the back of the Squidmobile, and you get a squid fact. And if you have a question about squid or the ocean or science in general that I can answer, um, I'll happily answer it for you. So do you so have, I, have I, like a, a oh, no, 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 hold up. Like, you didn't hold up, Johnny. I got to I've read that you literally had people like text you like for like an hour about out stuff like non Jesus. Like, I saw Jesus, Jesus and religion. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Some one person. Um, I think I was in like Kansas. I think I was driving across country in the Squidmobile, And um, one person was like, <laughs> I'll take your squid facts. Um, but only if you accept a Jesus fact in return. And I was like, well, j- bring it. Let's do yeah. it. I guess. Yeah. Why not? Um, you guys had like a duel? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, we tried to <laughs> not think of it as a duel because we yeah. don't want to put science and religion against each other because really. Oh, no, no. Who would, do, who would do that? I know. Well, many people, but yeah, but uh, really there's, there's in a lot of uh, religious communities, there's really not an, as, as big of a like anti-science sentiment as, as many people would predict. And so uh, we're always trying to reach out um, to faith-based communities. But anyway, um, yeah, so that happened. One guy just started talking about his divorce, talked to him for a bit. That was, why not? Um, During the pandemic, I'm honestly so bored, just like looking for something that I'll talk to anybody uh, including us, whatever, including us. Don't even go on the Philly blunt. That's how bad it's gotten. Well, I want to get back a little bit to uh, uh, there. There seems to be kind of a moment uh, right now with uh, 
cephalopods. Uh, we have a hockey team coming in called the Seattle Kraken, which has to be exciting for you. Totally. Um, and obviously my octopus teacher is like what all the nerds are buzzing about. I hang around with a lot of nerds and they're, they're, they're a buzzing. I can't believe you guys have a cross pass. Yeah. yeah right? Scientist, quizzo guy. Come on. Quizzo guy who used to, I used to feed squid the dolphins. Did you really? Yeah. Fun fact about me. Hello, squid. Hello, squid lover. I use uh, a feed squid the dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> One time, I um, personal story about dead squid. I had recently been dumped by my boyfriend, and I was hanging out with my friend Diana. Diana is another squid biologist, and I was like really just kind of like down in the dumps. And so she was like, "I know what'll cheer you up." And so she took me to this like huge building on her campus and um in the middle was like imagine a huge 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 swimming pool but that's like 30 feet deep and mm. is full of tuna like big 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 wow fish. in a building i mean yeah so they the the study that they were working on was all about wow. like can you get a tuna to grow in captivity basically and so we just took this bucket of dead squid and climbed onto the rafters of the building like suspended over this big pool of tuna and just started throwing tuna or throwing squid dead squid into the tuna tank and it was like i mean it was like national geographic Nice. I could not believe nice. like they, they get so like when tuna get excited they turn brighter colors um I and wow. they just like flying out of the like water to try to get and like fighting each other it was the most that sounds cool no I too yeah, have yeah. used dead squid to feed other stuff so no shame I love the fact that uh you know you're like you're like a scientist and you're you're you know obviously brilliant and 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 then you say jump out of the water um, I know. <laughs> so, I get made fun of my Philly accent all the time. I like the fact that it, ke it keeps you. It keeps you here in Philly. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. here in mm -hmm. Philly. Um, where, where exactly in Philly did you grow up? I grew up in Ben Salem, um, and then uh, Warrington, and then Doylestown. So uh, those were the places that I lived. Currently, okay. a Fishtown resident. Well, uh, my. I mean, this is like not important, but when my my like great, 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 whatever. Uh, grandparents moved from Ireland during the potato famine. They actually lived on Palethorpe Street, not very far from here. And then three generations yeah. of McAnulty's lived within a, you know, a mile of here. So it was, it was I in like the that. start. It was I, in the start. I like that. I like I know. that. She's yeah. a fish scientist. That, 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 it's so crazy, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I actually fish town. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there are roots here in this neighborhood yeah. for my family. So I have read, over the years, um, cephalopods, I guess, they're super smart. Like there's been, ex people have had them in tanks doing experiments and they would see like, they climb out of the tanks after everyone goes away, turns on the yeah. lights or open doors and do stuff like that, right? Yeah, so octopuses are like the most notorious for just causing mayhem in aquaria because they are, uh, so unlike cuttlefish and squid, they're much more, maneuverable and they can squeeze themselves into tiny little <laughs> spaces whereas squid pretty much are squid shaped um, and they're not very good at like squeezing into things and cuttlefish have what's called a cuddle bone 
um, which is a very silly name for an object, um, but it's like a big buoyancy <laughs> device that you can't change shape. It's like it a sounds like a very white song. Yeah, the old cuddle bone. <laughs> and, uh, they really could have thought about a better name for that one, but yeah. they so uh, they can't change shape. But yeah, octopuses you have to like lock down the lids of their tanks and make sure that there's no way. It's like put mesh over the in- water inflow, the like drain. Otherwise, they'll just like say later and either yeah. leave to go eat other things in your aquarium <laughs> or uh just completely leave peace out some of like escaped out drains wild yeah so it's like it's like it's like in finding nemo right like the, it's or, legitimately yeah just yeah like yeah that. like the, yeah. the octopus is the one causing all the trouble by both camouflaging itself and by sneaking all around the, <laughs> the office there. Yep. Yep. Uh, They're rascals. So, yeah. So, so how did you, how did you, uh, how do you have a favorite of a squid instead of an octopus? What, what's Good the differentiator? I, I think that octopus just get so much hype and squid don't get nearly enough because squid are, so when we, when we talk about the intelligence of, it animals, goes back to the Philly thing. It's the whole Rocky deal. It might be yeah. the underdog. Octopus is octopus is New York and L.A. and and squid, <laughs> right. and squid are squid Philadelphia. Philly, that's it. That's actually perfect. I think that's exactly <laughs> the right way to think about it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many different ways to be a squid. I mean, like an octopus, you pretty much like you know what you're getting yourself into, regardless of what type of octopus you are. I mean, that might be my squid bias, but um, an octopus is an octopus, and being a squid, like some glow, some like have benefits. So this is like kind of getting into the weeds, but like some have these relationships with bacteria that do really, really cool stuff, like create antibiotics for their eggs. These bacteria will legit like develop antibiotics and then the squid will put the bacteria on their eggs and then it will protect the baby squid um, from like anybody eating it or other like fungus and stuff. Mm. Um, I think that's cool. There are squid deep, deep, deep in the ocean. There are huge squid. There are teeny, 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 tiny squid. Um, And I just, I love that. And I also love that they are um, more social than octopus are. Um, Some species are anyway. Um, And also I think firmly that squid are more badass than octopus are. Oh, oh, she threw down the gauntlet. Uh, You want a piece? You want to go? Is there there a colossal (laughs) octopus? No, there is a giant Pacific octopus that's, Big, but not colossal. Not colossal. Yeah, right, yeah right, it's yeah. it's it's big. Let's leave it's it at big. big. But you're not yeah. attaching the word colossal to that thing. Yeah, no, right. no way. Colossal squids is like, come on, dude. You want to do this, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you want to do this, man? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, come on, dude. I don't even want to. I don't even want to start this. The choice. So the interesting. What's also interesting? Not only are you in the squids, apparently, from doing some research, you're in the reptiles. Oh, I do have a bunch of reptiles in my house. Yeah. Keeping squid <laughs> yeah. in the house is um is just not sure, sure. Right. Sure. It's sure. really hard. You need a lot yeah. of water. And like yeah. But some people know. have dogs. I mean, to go I to the reptile route. A fair number of animals in this house. I have uh a gecko, a crested gecko, very cute. I have a bearded dragon that I in- inherited from a roommate who got kittens and then didn't really want his bearded dragon anymore. So I just kind of ended up with a bearded dragon. I didn't go out of my way. Uh, they just sort of well, fell into my isn't lap. Isn't it always like that with the bearded dragon? Next thing I knew, I had a bearded dragon. <laughs> right. um, and then I've got a snake downstairs and then I've got um, an axolotl as well. What's um, that? An axolotl is like, imagine a uh, salamander that lives underwater and the gills are like on the outside. So oh, that, like, I know that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. You often see them pink, but mine is gray. 
going back to Reef's uh, comment about them being aliens. That sounds about as alien as it gets. Yeah, man. They're I'm very you. strange looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're cute, though. One of the things you, uh, that you're conscious of in doing is trying to find math and science teachers who uh, represent under, underrepresented communities, people of color, yeah. women. I think that's really important. So how is that mm-hmm. reaction as far as people seeing people who look like them doing science? Do you see like a big difference or a great reaction when that happens? Absolutely. I mean, I think representation is just so, so important in in fields like science. And so we uh, ask our teachers when they sign up if over half of their class is from a given historically excluded group. And so that includes uh, racial and and minorities, but also, uh, yeah, women, LGBT, disabled, um, and then a couple other mixed, oh, and low socioeconomic group growing up. Um, because a lot of times, so one of the things our teachers asked for at the beginning was that, you know, um, yeah, we're all, we're all white kids in my class, but, um, they're, they're really poor. And so, um, having a scientist that came from that area is really, really awesome for them to see. And so we try to take into consideration all the ways that people are different and disadvantaged when trying to get into science and then show, um, match those people up together because it can make a huge impact. I mean, I like, I'm a white woman and I didn't see another woman in science like until my senior year of college. Like, right. like I, I worked with one in, uh, in outside of school, but in my department, it was all men. And so like, you know, it, it's just tough. Uh, to, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't be what you can't see. I know that's like a common phrase, yeah. you do whatever you want, but like, it's certainly helpful when you see people doing what you want to do uh, that look like you, that sound like you, that came from where you came from. And so um, we want to really, really prioritize uh, making sure that that happens. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it works great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, do you, you know, we talk about these cultural silos and, and do you, and I thought it was interesting what you said earlier, and I wanted to follow up on it a little bit when you talked about how places, you know, I think we all have the stereotype um, of what places are like when religion's big and things like that. Like, and I also know that, you know, we're, we're all here, like obviously not big fans of, of what's been happening uh, on the right side of the country. How do you balance that where you're like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get mad and, and just leave that rural America aside. Right. How do you how do you make it so that you're like, yeah, I'm upset that, you know, science isn't getting its just due, but at the same time still need to reach out to people uh, on that side of the world, which, again, in our cultural silos might as well be a a different country. That's an awesome question. And I think that um, the first thing you should do, like do when you're approaching that situation is just try to find common ground, try to find some way in which uh, you're similar. And so um, one thing that's really, really hard to do and and not necessarily, um, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, depending on like your um, emotional state and, and how you're doing mental health wise, but just like try to not be offended when you're going into a space and just like be like, let's just try to see the good in these, in the people that I'm talking to, which sometimes you just kind of have to leave your ego at the door to do that. Um, People may say misogynistic things to me and I'm just like, well, whatever. Like that's just how they were raised. I'm just going to roll with it for now. Because if you try to get everyone from zero to 60 in one conversation, it's not going to happen. And so you just have to try to find where you have similarities and not write people off for what you do know about them. um, If you're trying to get them on your side, eventually. Mm -hmm. 
my personal approach. I know it doesn't work for everyone and I don't recommend it for everyone, but. <laughs> no, I think that's a good approach. And one of the things, whether you like Bernie Sanders or not, one of the things he did that I thought was really interesting, he went to Liberty University or Liberty mm -hmm. College, whatever it is. Yeah. And right at the beginning, he said, listen, we're not going to agree on gay lifestyle or abortion. Let's right. get that straight. But there's a ton of things we will agree on. And let's talk about those things. And right. I think that's very powerful to get inside. Mm -hmm. We're all in our bubbles. So anytime mm -hmm. you can bust into someone else's bubble, it's super powerful. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And listening as much as you're talking is also yeah. so, so important. Yes. Um, key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Was was that has that been been tough? Again, you know, you talk about you being um, a woman in a male-dominated field. Um, how how difficult has has that made your sort of path um, as opposed to somebody that might not have had to put up with some of those things? Personally, like it's been fine. I haven't had anything particularly nasty happen to me. I, I have no complaints. Um, particularly knowing that like so many other people have, have it, have it worse in many ways. I mean, yeah, I didn't have, um, women representing science and, until later on, but, um, I've, I'm a little overconfident, I think. And so that's been <laughs> fine. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, personally it's been okay, but we still have a long way to go in a lot of different ways. And like, um, even like how we value work, like different types of work. Like um, I would maybe value science communication um, during graduate school and others would sort of see that as like volunteer work, not important work because it was like historically done by women. Like teaching is historically done by women, for example. Right. And so right. like seeing how these like little um, things add up can, can see, can like affect how all of our, uh, academia or society brought more broadly is structured. And so this is true um, of, of many different marginalized communities in many different ways. Um, that's just like one tiny example, but. Yeah, I'm amazed when I go to sci uh, science conferences with my significant other who's a scientist. And I mean, the, the, the people running the show are predominant. I mean, it's like 87, 90% old white males. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, looking at who gets who gets to be a professor um, or who makes it to the professor yes. position is is wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got a long way to go, uh, <laughs> right. for sure, and on yeah. many fronts. Yep. All right, we uh, we ready to take it. Let's uh, go. Yeah, let's take go it to, to the, the blunt. blunt. All right, we're gonna take it to the Philly Blunt. Here's how it works: it's gonna be rapid fire uh, questions, rapid fire answers. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, in Seinfeld, George wants everybody to call him T-Bone. What would you want your nickname to be? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I'm going to go with Smack because that was my, uh, my college water polo nickname. Nice. And uh, Sarah Mack, Smack. There we go. There we go. Hold on. Smack. Wait, hold on. You played water polo? Yeah, I, I intended to play water polo in Philly, uh, but then the pandemic happened. So I'll be playing, I hope, with the, the it's at Villanova, I think. Can, can I just ask one two question on the table? Like, is it exhausting just to stay up? Yeah, what's the blunt, man? What are you doing? I'm sorry. Like, I'm amazed by this. I've never met a water polo player. And like, how do you stay afloat without getting exhausted? You just, like, get exhausted? used to existing buoyantly i don't know uh it, it's not bad uh the, the sport in general is hardcore and very hard and by the end of a game i just feel like i'm dead but the floating is the easy part all right mm. sorry Reed. all right, all right. All right. Continue. Okay. Uh, Back in the zone. can you still speak any german yeah <laughs> i can yep i can like speak what? 
Um, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, you're asking follow-ups on the blunt? Come on. Yeah, no, no, because no, you can just say, yeah. That's like, uh, someone like, yo, you speak Spanish? And I'm like, oh yeah. Um, see, uh, so yeah, I mean, squid is Tintin fish, like tint fish. Um, so there you go. There's one, uh, German word that I'm sure will be useful in your everyday life. I'm sure you you say tin or ten ten. Ten 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 fish. Oh, I like that one. I'm gonna pack that one away. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, who has the best calamari in town? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, I would probably go to an Italian place. Although I'm going to recommend um, if you get if you catch squid fresh, make ceviche out of it, make, slice it real thin. Really? Then, like, yeah, it's real nice. Yeah, it's I, I, I. That's how I. When you literally just caught it out of the ocean, that that's what I'll make it a couple hours later. Um, otherwise, fried is the way to go. Uh, what bad habit are you trying to break? Um. N- I'm a pool exerciser, obviously, and I am very, very bad at exercising without a pool, but all the pools are closed because of COVID. So exercising without a pool. <laughs> all right. I suck at it. And I need to do it. Uh, you, you have a, a python, if I'm correct. Yep. Do you ever like put it around your neck and like yes. and let it hang out? Oh, oh my God. Totally. Just walk all around right. Gerard Avenue. <laughs> oh, not outside. <laughs> She'd get cold, but yeah, I do. Uh, you you took your squidmobile on a squid across America tour. Uh-huh. What was the what was the worst city on your tour? Ooh. Oklahoma City. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. That's We're, right. not that's right. We're not big that's there. We're not big there, so you can dish. Yeah, I don't think there's. Yeah. <laughs> sounds about I right. think that was I know. the worst. One. Oh God, I don't. I hope this doesn't turn off our Oklahoma City fans. They've <laughs> been so loyal. They've been so loyal to the Philly blind. <laughs> I hope this doesn't kill us there. Uh, where do you get, you're in Fishtown. Where are you getting takeout? Ooh, Loco Pez uh, is mm, like nice. a hard frisbee throw right from my house. So I'm eating a lot of there. And I'm also really close to a Primo. So mm-hmm. depending on what kind of thing I'm into, a Primo right. or Loco Pez. Mm. Got it. Uh, who do you, whose style of science teaching do you prefer? Tyson Degrassi or Bill Nye? Ooh, nice. I'm going to go with Bill Nye. Um, okay. even the, cause I think sometimes, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson can be a little condescending and I think that's really not <laughs> helpful. Um, yeah, he, I see that. W- like he was on, this was, this is from a while ago, but he was on Jon Stewart's show, uh, the daily show a, lo- a long time ago. And he mm. said that like their, their world was backwards. And then he came on a second time and was like, your earth is still backwards. And not that just one time, but often <laughs> he'll just like kind of dig at people who don't know things. Right, right. And I right. think that that's not um he is funny though, to be fair. He's mm-hmm, funny. Mm-hmm, but um that's not the way to build bridges, man. And so <laughs> I don't like uh making fun of people for not knowing things. So Bill Nye it is. Uh one of my favorite shows is Squidbillies. Do you watch it? <laughs> um no. Is that a Hanna Barbera one? No, it's a new one. It's on like a Cartoon Network, uh, Adult Swim. Really? Okay, well, yeah. I'll, I'll look into that. They're like I'll endangered hillbilly squid, so that they really can't oh. do anything to them, and they're just lawless and crazy. Okay, yeah. I I have seen trailers for this, and I need to watch it. Yeah. It looks ridiculous. I'll look into yeah, it. I haven't watched that one in a while. Uh, twenty twenty has uh, been a veritable uh, hellscape. Uh, what is one thing positive you see coming out of twenty twenty? 
<laughs> right. I hope, <laughs> exactly. I really hope in some places police reform. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to happen in Philly, but we did have a reduction in the police budget. It wasn't enough, but it was something. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's say police reform. Okay. I hope. Uh, right. <laughs> what was your uh, What was your other favorite subject? Uh, English with uh, Matt Coleman in in high school. I took three classes with him, and he was amazing. So English. English. Okay. Specifically with that teacher, admittedly, but yeah. <laughs> shout out to Maybe Mr. Was, Coleman. Shout out to Mr. Coleman. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that? A former America's sexiest man alive has been cutting his hair with a Floby, George Clooney, for the last 20 years. I do not know what that question means. <laughs> what the you know what a Floby is? Oh, it's no, a, she's young. She's not old like us. It's that old? So it's yeah, this weird dude, hair trimmer you, you attach to a vacuum cleaner and you just run it over oh. your hair. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Uh, what, um, what is your enter the ring wrestling theme music? Man, I feel like a woman. (laughs) (laughs) She was ready. I did did compete in like a, um, squids versus whales battle. And that was my walk-up song. Although I consider Uh, many Wait, 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 wait. wait, What is a squid versus whale battle? I know it's the blood. I know it's the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sidebar, sidebar. Was it like a debate? Pretty much, yeah. So it's this like it's a show called Versus. Um, and my two friends, Dustin Groick and Zach Martellucci. Zach Martellucci also grew up in Philly. Um, they're both living in New York and they do a monthly show where they do like it's what they call like WrestleMania meets debate club. So there's Oh expert, Johnny, this sounds right up your alley, dude. Yeah, oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, so we did Squid versus Wales. Obviously, Squid won because there's no more enthusiastic cheerleader for Squid than me. But uh, yeah, so but they do like cats versus dogs. Uh, all sorts yeah. of is this is this on YouTube? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you the link. Uh, for nice. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so this is the last one from me. What's the secret to making relationships work? Um, I think. Listening, compassion, and patience, um, particularly patience. Yeah. Yes. Problematic yep. here. <laughs> uh, give us something great about Fishtown. I think all the fish all over the place. Like, people <laughs> have committed in this neighborhood to the fish theme. And I think that that's very funny. Um, yeah. And I really like it. Like, people will put fish on their, like, Welcome mats, fish hanging from their yeah. window. Yeah, their address. The address lines are fish. I'm like, fish, yeah. I just didn't realize how. Commi- I feel like I have to up my game. I also think for um, for Christmas, I'm gonna make a wreath out of squid. Um, I realize that squid are not fish, but close enough. Yeah, uh, enough. so yeah. it's yeah, it's on part. theme sufficiently. Yeah. yeah, so I really like the number of uh, fish just around. Nice. Cool. All right, just from just from hanging out with you here for a while, I kind of get the impression that you've probably got a karaoke song. Um, and I want to know what that karaoke song is. Um, I don't know. I have so many because I, <laughs> I, I love karaoke so much. Uh, 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 nice call, Johnny. Wait. Nice call, I Johnny. Wait. I know, I know. I just pick things up. I pick things yeah, up. Yeah, you me. got it. I didn't uh, catch it. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I think, I think that's one thing that I really like, I hope that everybody gets back into once this thing's over. Like, I really feel like maybe 2021 is the year that karaoke just blows up. It's obviously been a terrible year for karaoke. Just terrible. I mean, of all the things we've lost in 2020, you can't karaoke on zoom. It doesn't work. Lag. It just, it doesn't, yeah. No, I know. I, I, I like um, uh, Edge of Seventeen. Um, great, great riff. Great riff. Uh, not too hard to sing. I'm not a great singer by any means. Um, I also, I don't know. There's so. But many- I bet, I bet the performance. Is- yeah, yeah, she's charismatic. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like, that's like, like David Lee Roth. Stop notch. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. how I am too. That's how my karaoke is. The, the, the voice is irrelevant. Yeah. I, I tend to People agree. We're there to see the performance. It's the stage yeah. presence that's everything. It's the commitment and right, the, right. the unearned confidence that makes yeah. the yeah. performance. And I have a lot of that, so we should be yeah. good. All right, so give me a song. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I guess Edge of 17 or um, Four Non Blondes, What's Up? Oh, yeah. Um, wow. Those are okay. two good ones. But I have, a, I have a, it's like, what is the mood? What is the weather? Right, you right, right. Room. What are of they? Course. What do they want from you? You know. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm good with so, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sarah, uh, Sarah McAnulty, aka Smack. Uh, so glad to have you here on the show. This was a ton of fun. Yeah. yeah. Fun. Tell Thank us you your. Think. Give us your shout outs on social media. Where do Where do we follow you? Great. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Sarah Mac M A C K Attack. Um, I'm on all of those. Uh, always happy to answer your squid questions. And you can text the Squid Facts hotline um, not at nine rung squid. Those are the numbers that you type in. Uh, and then you can talk to me about squid or whatever. Yeah, or your divorce. Yeah. Or your divorce. Yeah. 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 I'm not a therapist, but you, I'll try my best. <laughs> all right, Sarah. Thank all you right. so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Blessed. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for doing absolutely. what you're doing. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for yeah. Thank you. Yo, yo, welcome to the home of brotherly love. Brothers covered in blood. The man's office is covered in bugs. The youth dreams cut short. Sweat.